This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday. It's the 8th of March. A bit chilly. A bit chilly out there for March. But I promise you, it will warm up later on today and you can walk around in your vest and pants, as far as I'm concerned. Coming up on the programme this morning as we dissect the Sunday newspapers and find the stories that really either get your blood boiling or failing that you go, told you so, told you so. Amir Khan, for example. If I read another story about Amir Khan cheating with a woman... I think I'll just throw my hands up to the heavens and give up. He's constantly reminding us of how religious he is. He's quite clearly a very naughty little boy. Uh, Daniela Westbrook, I have no sympathy for her, but when it uh, involves being beaten up, then I do feel a modicum of sympathy for her. And yes, she's been beaten up yet again. All of that this morning and more. Between now and uh, eight o'clock. So I trust you well. Had a good weekend. I'm so stuffed. So stuffed this weekend. I went out for dinner on Friday night. It turned out to not to be quite the sort of evening I thought it was going to be. It was marginally more interesting, actually. Marginally more interesting. Very nice indeed. And uh, and then on Saturday, I went out last night to Unico, my favourite restaurant in Bishop Stortford. And uh, it was packed. And there, were, there was actually, for the first time we've seen in there for ages, there was a crowd of Essex girls inappropriately dressed. Uh, because we were in Essex, obviously. And uh, no, Bishop Stortford was Hertfordshire, isn't it? But anyway, it's, it's sort of Essex girls who'd crossed over the border wearing... I mean, I thought they were the sort of outfits you would wear maybe to a wedding. If you were going to a nice wedding, then you would wear them. You don't wear them for a night out in Bishop Stortford. It just looks wrong. They couldn't walk in their heels. Uh, most of them smoked. Uh, the blokes had made no effort whatsoever. To, isn't it funny? All the, all the blokes around in Essex make no effort to dress up. Well, half of this lot happened anyway. And uh, the girls had made the effort, but it kind of wasn't really worth it. So we'll talk about that. The showbiz event of the year is coming up this year. I personally can't wait for it to be over. Paddy McGuinness, they say, you know, let the rabbits... Anyway, that one, uh, is being uh, offered a new bumper deal with ITV because they don't want him to go to the BBC. As far as I know, the BBC aren't remotely interested in Paddy McGuinness. He's, uh, he's way too down market. He's, he's, he's not BBC material at all. He's, he's ITV material, so that's where he's likely to stay. But they're, they're obviously doing contract negotiations, so they're trying to boost it up and make it, make it sound a bit more interesting. Who would say, yes, we're both still crazy, stupid love? Yes, Cheryl Versace Vassini Spagbol is apparently droning on about her boring marriage. Like anybody cares. Like anybody cares. And every single columnist over the past few days has said exactly the same as I said for the last year. If, and I'm sorry to mention it so earlier on in the programme, but it does crop up a couple of times, I'm afraid, in the newspapers. If Katie Price is so keen, and I believe she's on record as saying, I'm not going to exploit my children, the woman is a liar. A compulsive, out-and-out liar. She's exploited the children in the latest edition of OK Magazine, where Harvey's standing at the wedding with a pair of headphones on, listening to his favourite banging tunes, I should imagine. And the other kids are there, and they've dressed them all up. She's exploiting them, top to bottom. Katie Price, you're a fraud and a liar. We know you need the money, love. Obviously not as much money sitting in the bank account. You must get Kieran out working. Porn, maybe? Something like that. Uh, Britain's entry into Eurovision. I was listening to, uh, to Darren talking about that earlier on. I thought it sounded OK. I just wanted to know how they how they got them. I didn't vote for anybody. I didn't see any competition. How did they pick these people? Uh, the only way is Ouija. Yes, uh, they've turned finally the deluded Elliot Wright. I bet there's a story there, Elliot. What do you reckon, eh? Do you think I might uncover something about you? And uh, and Chloe Sims. On, off, on, off, on, off. That's Chloe Sims's clothes. Uh, with uh, with sort of different people and with Elliot, it's been on off about seven times. And now, in an effort to try and get themselves back together, like anybody gives the stuff, 
They're going to consult a psychic. A psychic. And exciting. Lovely. Kelly Brooks being tipped for Hollywood stardom. Had to check the date that wasn't April the 1st. There is no Hollywood stardom for Kelly Brook. You know, pretty girls in Hollywood are parking cars. Pretty girls are working as hookers in Hollywood. You know, she has no acting ability. I mean, I promise you. I promise you. It's a nice story. Very sweet, you know. Very sweet. Uh, Philip Schofield's got a new uh, game show on the television. Just when you thought we really had quite enough of Philip Schofield with The Cube, Mr and Mrs, This Morning... Uh, hosting the uh, all these sort of different uh, event things. And now he's coming back with something where apparently this bunch of numpties have been hypnotised. Load of old trash, ladies and gentlemen. And to be honest with you, have, have ITV got nobody else? Is there nobody else they've got apart from poor little Philip Schofield? I mean, it's just... It's beginning to look a little bit desperate. Very desperate. Uh, Anders Brevik fears he's being poisoned, so all of his food comes out of sealed tins now. I mean, you can't help feeling... Perhaps he's right. <laughs> Perhaps we are trying to poison him. Why would you want to keep somebody alive who murdered 69 children? As far as I'm concerned, they should have taken him out ages ago. Terribly sorry, Anders Brevik had just been poisoned. Oh, wonder how that happened. No idea. And then there was the uh, the other story which got Andrew Pierce going yesterday morning on LBC. And I was driving down to see my godchildren, and I was just going, I said that last week, I absolutely agree with him. He was talking about the uh, the families of the three girls who fled Britain to be jihadi tarts. And I can only use that word because apparently all the girls who go over there have been asked to bring underwear. You know, like flimsy underwear for this bunch of perverts. And uh, slightly worrying. Anyway, the families of the three girls have complained bitterly in an interview in The Guardian, I think it was, about the police. Um, Whereas, in fact, the blame lays fairly at their own doorstep. But the trouble is they're too blind to see it. They're obviously ignorant. Because if you remember, the story was that these three girls just upped and left their families, because quite clearly the families are so dim, the girls would be better off anywhere talking to a bedpost, I should imagine, as indeed they will be very shortly, uh, if they're going over there to be jihadi brides, as we're told. But so they, they go home. The parents know nothing about anything that they're doing. They are so blinkered, they have no idea. They've never checked their uh, their emails. They've never checked their Facebooks. They've never checked their Twitters. They really are the most ghastly families that you've ever encountered, who then turn around and blame the police. Admittedly, the police have held their hands up and said what they should have done is the letters that they sent to the girls telling them that uh, one of the girls at school had run off to Syria to be a jihadi whatever. And... Uh, the girls, of course, being devious, that's what they've been taught by their families, to be devious. Where else do you learn it? You don't learn it at school. It's a very good school. Although they were a bit lax, you'd have thought, actually, the moment a girl from the school goes to Syria, that the school would have been sending out a letter to all the parents going, listen, you should be aware of it. The school did absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. What a bunch of useless, you know, nobodies. They did nothing. Should they not have been writing to the parents of the girls in that class going, listen, let you, you know, just letting you know. In, that, in, in the same way that if I was at school and uh, one member of my class had been murdered by somebody, just supposing hypothetically, um, the school would write to your parents saying, listen, you know, some of the kids might have been a bit traumatised or if somebody in the class had been a murderer or had attacked another child, the school would write. In the case of somebody who goes off to be a jihadi bride, the school do, quite simply, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely bugger all. Nothing. Nothing, they don't do anything at all. And so then the parents, who quite clearly just sit downstairs staring up into the heavens, doing nothing about anything, they don't know what's going on on the, on the school computers. They've got no idea what's going on on the girls' computers. In fact, I'm surprised they even know who these girls are. They're so incredibly naive. They're so incredibly ignorant that uh, the best thing they do is they go, oh, of course, the police should have told us. No, you should have been aware of what your children were doing. Are you aware that your children hate you so much? 
that they're sticking two fingers up to you, you know, and they're going, we, ju- we just want our girls home. They don't want to be with you. Get it through your thick skulls. They're not interested in being with you. That's why they got this money from where we can only hazard a guess. And they leave you and anything you say. You seriously believe that they want to come back to you? You're more deluded than I thought you were. Of course they don't want to come back to you. They're not remotely in. That's why they left in the first place. They want to go and marry murdering psychopaths. They don't want anything in this country. They, they despise everything Western. They don't like that. They want to go back to, you know, to the ideology that is being pushed by ISIS, which is you've got to destroy all the heritage. And apparently this is what, uh, what Muhammad is telling them. Well, of course, it's a load of cobswallop. He's not telling them anything at all because they're nothing to do with religion. They're just murdering psychopaths who want to sleep with loads of young girls and then probably murder them. That's what they do. They murder children. Let's not make any bones about this at all. So these girls who absolutely espouse everything that's Western, they've got the phones, they've got the computers, they've got everything. You wait till they discover in Syria, um, popping down to McDonald's is not an option. There is no McDonald's. You think you're going to be out there going, oh, I think I'll just go and do a bit of shopping. I think not. I think not. The families, they say, should have had an alert. I'm giving you an alert. Wake up and smell the coffee. Because quite clearly you know nothing about your children... Because this is, they didn't just decide this a week ago. This has been in the offing for ages. Ages and ages. Parents never saw these letters. Well, should you not be aware of what your child does? I mean, I don't want to point out the patently obvious. But, I mean, are you aware of anything that they do? And then you expect Scotland Yard to go chasing around the world for these. And then one of the parents in the papers. Come back, our beautiful girl. You've done nothing wrong. Well, small wonder they wanted to leave your house. Small wonder. You've done nothing wrong. You're going to join a bunch of murdering psychopaths, and this is nothing wrong. What a bunch of idiots this families must be. What a bunch of idiots. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Six, uh, 19, a little tiny bit. Sunday morning on LBC with Steve Allen. I trust you're uh, well. I get up early this morning. The only reason I say get up early is, A, because you'll feel better because you get more into the day. Secondly, because the weather's going to be quite nice. And thirdly, because we've got enough stories to shake a stick at. So we'll get you through the shower, we'll get you through everything, but the cup of coffee is the bit that does it, isn't it? Or tea, depending. Uh, when you interview Tony Robinson, Sir Tony Robinson, you both mentioned Noddy. Says Ken, in the 1980s, I was the production manager for Noddy Books uh, at the uh, the company who produced Noddy. I was able to obtain copies of many of the books, which I still have. While I was going to school in Australia in the 50s, Noddy Books were banned because Big Ears was considered gay. Well, did, did you not remember? There was a great sketch that was done years ago, which looked at all the great children's books. Noddy and Big Ears, you know, kindly old man with a white beard takes in cute little schoolboy. You know, and nobody thought that was anything wrong. Peter Pan, best friend, was a fairy. You know, there was Goldilocks, who seemed to want to hang around with the three bears in the woods. You know, all the who's been eating my porridge. And then we got round to the, the nuts, the, the, the crutch of the matter, which was who's been sleeping in my bed. And it turned out she had. Uh, then, of course, you had uh, Snow White. She hung around with uh, all those dwarfs. You know, not surprised they went off singing to work. We've got a bit of totty at home. I ho, I ho. And so it all went through. So, uh, but Noddy was the funny one. Isn't it funny how you can read anything into anybody? Noddy. So here's Noddy. Nobody thought it was odd in Toy Town that Noddy was taken in by the kindly Big Ears, the old man with the white beard looking remarkably like Rolf Harris. And nobody thought it was very odd at all. So Noddy and Big Ears. Hello, Noddy. Hello, Big Ears. Hello, Noddy, said Big Ears. Why don't you move into my house? And he did. Where was Noddy's parents? Was there a Mr and Mrs Noddy? That's what I wanted to know. Mind you, over in Ireland, it all went a bit pear-shaped the other day. Uh, There was a couple... Uh, Jonathan Brennan and uh, and his partner, 
who is John Kieran's. When I say his partner, they're both gay. Okay, they've been together for eight years, and they decided that they were going to get married. You know, which a lot of people do. And uh, so they go along to um, to a print company, Beulah Print. Beulah Print. And they said, you know, can we... This is what we'd like on our on our wedding invitations. And Beulah Print turned out, rent... Uh, we don't do that, I'm afraid. And I went, I thought you are a print company. Yes, we're a print company. And uh, and 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 you, you won't do this. Why? Uh, we're, we're Christian, and uh, we have Christian beliefs, and we don't want to do anything that involves people like you. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we have uh, we have beliefs, and uh, we've upheld them for years and years and years. We've been in the business for twelve years, and we've held on to our convictions. And so, the two boys, John, and uh, and his boyfriend Jonathan, went. Um, but isn't that bigotry and discrimination? No. No, that's just us being Christian. And the same way if somebody came to us and said, you know, can we have a, a picture of a, of a naked woman uh, and print that on a post-it, we wouldn't do that one either. Sorry about that. Bye-bye. Thank you. Go we go. And so they then dismissed them. And the, the company then said later, and to be honest with you, I think the boys should take it to court because you've got them over a barrel, as they say. Woo-hoo-hoo. And it says, uh, the company say, we've never hidden our faith from our customers and represent the gospel at every opportunity. Oh, God, what bigots. It's so wonderfully refreshing in this day and age, isn't it? To discover that people really can. I suppose if if you were gay, black, Jewish or anything else, this company wouldn't want to do it for you either. Because they're quite clearly the world's biggest bigots. But they're so blind, they can't see it. You know, they're not asking you to kind of join in at Beulah, you know, unless you want to. And I bet there's a few people in the company might be thinking about it. You know, they just ask you to print some things, OK? Is that, is that so wrong? Is that so Because both the boys are Catholics. So they, they, they don't quite understand it. And all the people who've tweeted about it afterwards have gone, we don't quite understand it. It's like, the, you know, it goes back to that story that I think Nick Ferrari got so much out of on LBC, as indeed you would, of the couple who run a bed and breakfast, God-fearing people that they were, or bigots, as we prefer to call them, and, um, and a couple book in, or a guy phones up, because you don't know. You know, you know if you answer the phone and you've got a bed and breakfast... And uh, you go, hello, by the way. And uh, they go, I'd, I'd like to book a, a double room for, you know, two nights, blah, blah. That's OK. Thank you. Bye bye. They never say to you, would you be sleeping with your boyfriend? Or, you know, would you be bringing a lady with you? Would it be somebody underage? You know, would you like to tell us? Because they don't say that. They just book you the room. So these two guys turn up. And of course, you know, you look at them and they do look gay. You know, they've got the beards, the check shirts. They're, they're kind of ringing all the right bells for this couple. And they go, um, I'm so sorry. We don't actually rent to people like you. What, people in check shirts? No, 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 we don't don't rent to people of the same sex. You know, because you'll be in the same bed. And God knows what could get up to. You know, all sorts of things could be happening in that bed. You go, well, I think we'll be the judge of that, shall we? It depends how comfy the bed is, I suppose. If it's really comfy, we go to sleep straight away. If not, you'll be hearing the headboard all night, OK? And they then go, well, we, I'm sorry, we're not, we're not going to rent you the room. We're, we're, we're Christians. And you think, but where does it say in the Bible you should be bigots and be, you know, demonstrating against people? Anyway, the, the gay couple who weren't going to be fobbed off by anybody took it to court and they won. And the couple's business went down and I believe it's collapsed completely now because uh, you can't be a bigot in this day and age. It's like a, a friend of mine uh, works at Sky and years ago... He did a programme in Australia. They went over there because Australia has got a lot of racist issues. And it's generally against Aborigines. And so what they did, he's, he's white and his best friend was black. And they decided to go out and they would scour the newspapers and they would find rooms to rent. And then they would turn up. The, uh, the, the black guy, first of all, would go there because they didn't say just, you know, my name's John Smith. 
you know, so that was fine. And so he turned up on the door and uh, the woman or the man who owned the place would go, oh, I'm really sorry, the room's gone. Sorry about that. And so he'd go, oh, it's OK, thank you, with the hidden camera. He'd go, this friend of mine, the white guy, would knock on the door and she'd go, oh, yes, I'll show you the room now. They were operating, uh, operating racism on a huge scale. They didn't want black people staying there. And, uh, and they went around Australia. They found that in 90% of cases, people were racist. They didn't want black people staying there. It's like I was watching Obama on the television, and he said, over this bridge, over this bridge over the years have passed, you know, black people, you know, Latinos. He never mentioned Mexicans, I noticed, but he mentioned Latinos and gays and disabled people. You know, I thought we'd broken down all this discrimination. It doesn't matter whether you're tall, short, you know, ginger... Darren was talking about being ginger earlier on. I thought we'd broken down all this kind of stuff. And yet here we have a company in Ireland, a little printer's, a little printer. You know, we're not printing that because we are, we are Christian people. What are you telling me? There's no gay Christians? <laughs> Breathe the coffee, love. Breathe the coffee. Good God, there's loads of gay Christian groups. Loads of them. Heavens above, so many priests are gay. You know, there they are, a Christian group in Ireland. I bet you most of the priests over there are slightly whoopsy and riding side saddle on bicycles. Come on. You just look at Father Ted. Most of them in that programme are just drunks. I don't know what you see is worse. Drunk or gay. Probably a combination of both, I should imagine. I suspect that one will go to court. In which case, we'll, we'll follow it, because I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. But in this day and age, they can still say, we're not going to print that. Because uh, because we're, we're sort of Christian. They must be really odd. That was like that. Who did that programme in America on the uh, the country's most hated family? can't remember what they were called, but they're all vile. They're all going straight to hell. And they would stand there and picket gays' funerals and soldiers who'd been killed overseas for their country. And they would picket going, you know, God hates queers and all this kind of stuff. And you looked at the family and you knew most of them did a turn. Most of them did a turn. There was the father who sort of preached this hellfire and brimstone, but the rest of them were slightly peculiar, and that would be that would be putting it mildly. Mind you, talking of slightly peculiar, I found uh, a guy the other day, Tony Abbott. Uh, Tony Abbott, uh, apparently terribly well known. I'd never heard of him at all, but he's just been jailed. Um, he was uh, collecting handouts after claiming he was barely able to walk. The trouble is, for fraud, Tony Abbott, um, he was a psychic. He was a psychic benefit cheat, and he never saw that one coming, did he? Uh, you know, somebody should have said to him, oh, I'm made to him contact my spirit guide here. Oh, hello, Hiawatha. So anyway, Hiawatha's there, and he's going, you're going to prison. Tony Abbott, 53. He was filmed by investigators in a gym on a treadmill. He and his wife, Jeanette, she's an ugly, admitted fraud over 16 years. He called himself an international spiritualist. For that, read fraud. OK, just fraud. It's as simple as that. He claimed 60 grand... In Stoke-on-Trent, dodged nine and a half grand in tax and national insurance. And uh, he travelled to Canada, Iceland and Switzerland, promoting his clairvoyant business, or as I prefer to call it, his fraudulent business. Uh, The wife was given a suspended sentence for fiddling 21 grand. She failed to pay 37 grand in income tax. And then when (laughs) they doorstepped her from from the the newspaper, from the sun, they went round and knocked on the door and said, Hello? Hello? Did you know we were coming? You should have done, you fraudulent old bag. And uh, she said, I don't want to talk about it. My husband got put away and it's killing me. Well, because he's a fraud like you, dear. A fraud. You should have been banged up as well, but you're lucky you didn't. Didn't get to be banged up. It said he's been banged only for eight months. Should have been eight years, as far as I'm concerned. Nothing worse than fraudulent people like that. Oh, dreadful. Mind you, the other story which seemed to get everybody going this week, including Andrew Pearce, again, was the story of the little the little boy... Who um, who wanted to have his own baby? Kyle is gay and works in a supermarket. 
And uh, obviously he's one of those, you know, he's by himself. Don't make me say it, please. And um, and, and he goes, I want baby, I want baby. And his mummy goes, I'll, I'll, I'll be your surrogate for you. And so they managed to find a lawyer to push it all through and all the rest of it. And so um, so his mother's had the baby and he's been allowed to adopt, uh, which is slightly peculiar. I mean, it, I, didn't, I didn't quite understand what it was. It was almost like he's by himself. He lives in a, in a bedsit or something. And he just goes, I think I'll have a baby by himself. I mean, I don't, you know, why didn't they wait until there was at least two of them or something like that? You know, to me, this smacks of, I think I'll just have a baby. Mum, want baby. Give me baby. Give me baby. And so she gave him a baby. And I bet you anything they're going to turn up on this morning this week. You just know it's the kind of story that this morning... And Holly Willabooby will sit there going... Well, she won't, actually, because they don't ask any hard-hitting questions. Go, oh, so you're looking forward to being a father? You know, would you like a crib or something like that? She'll come around and decorate the bedroom, and then we can put it on the television for you. As opposed to going, aren't you slightly cracked? Isn't there something the matter with this? A single gay man, you know, who works in a supermarket. You know, does he know how much it costs to bring a kid into the world? Quite clearly not. If you've got the money and you've got the uh, the upbringing, also, so in other words, this kid's going to be farmed out, isn't it? It's either that or he's going to give up his job and you're going to pay for it. Either way, it kind of got me going a bit this week. It's sick. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to seven. Small wonder the figures for this programme have gone through the roof. Paul in Manchesterford uh, was the one who retweeted that story about the gay couple's wedding invites. And uh, he said these people are homophobic bigots and as bad as the people who ran the bakery who wouldn't do the same-sex wedding cake. Do you remember those ones? It's funny that, isn't it, really? Very odd, very odd. But thank you for that one. And Emma says, um, gay money isn't legal tender. Oh, sorry, it is legal tender, isn't it? Apparently, so they just don't like that kind of thing. They don't like to talk about it. It's a bit worrying, you know. Because, do you remember? I remember years ago, and it always used to make me laugh, that the, uh, the chief constable of Greater Manchester was the biggest homophobe you'd ever heard from. He was, he was outspoken about it because it went against his Christian values. It turned out his daughter was a lesbian. It was hilarious. I tell you, I practically sent him a congratulations card. I think it was a long, long time ago. Long, long time ago. Dale's with us this morning, which is quite nice. And um, and Samantha says, my niece is through to the regional finals of Teen Star. So I've got no idea what Teen Star is. I'm a bit out to lunch on some of these programmes. And um, and Danny says, the only person who can actually get me out of bed is, uh, is Steve Allen's programme. Oh, you can listen to this programme. In bed. It's actually better if you're up with a, with a nice cup of coffee. Uh, the uh, the Vile family in America are the Westboro Baptist Church. They're nothing to do with religion. They're just a bunch of bigots. And uh, because they're all together as a family, I think they're slightly cracked anyway. And uh, another one says, you're absolutely right about these three girls who've gone to join ISIS. We don't want them back in this country at all. Because they do come back. Let's face it, they've actually gone over there because they support what ISIS do. And the parents are so naive, they've got no idea. Quite clearly, you know, the daughters come in, go out, they don't seem to have anything to do with them. They certainly weren't aware of anything that was going on at school. So obviously they didn't have any friends, did they, these poor girls? And uh, it was all prearranged ages and ages ago. And then, of course, they laid the blame at the door of the police, which, of course, was naivety in the extreme. You know, offer people hospitality in a country. It was like Jihadi John, wasn't it? Oh, please come and live here, your, your family. We know you're being persecuted in Kuwait. Lying old bags, you weren't being persecuted at all. His father's got a job out there. We're just paying the, uh, the rent over here. Five grand a day, apparently, it's costing us. But you're quite right, actually. The idea that these girls could come back. They obviously hate this country. And uh, if they do come back here, they could be future bombers. So I don't know why we want them here. We don't want them at all. I don't want them to come back. They stay over there as long as they want, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, me and my friend Natasha, says Bibi, had a fantastic night at the closing show of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels at the Savoy. It was brilliant. 
Yes, it was it was very good indeed. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's always good news, isn't it? And Noreen says, have you heard the Eurovision entry for Vienna? Electra, whatever it is. Yes, still in love with you. And Australia are in it this year. I, mean, I don't understand it either. Nobody likes us. I don't know why but we bother going do it. to it. Going to it. Uh, is Unico, Unico, near Jackson Square in Bishop Stortford? Now that I couldn't tell you. It might be. It might be. But it was really packed in there last night. It was great. I love it in there. I absolutely love it. You know, it's good food, good value. I mean, for what was there? Eight? Was there one? I'm trying to ca- count how many. There, were. there weren't very many of us, I think, last night. I think there was only, there was only six of us. And we had loads of starters, uh, drink, main course and puddings, and it was £230. Which I thought for six people, you know, I think that's, I think that's good. Uh, sending, getting better wishes to Danny and good luck to Dan, says Noreen, which is good. The other story I cut out of the paper was one about Towie, um, which was um, the fact that the cast have been read the Riot Act, so they say, because what they're all doing, they're all booking themselves in to do openings of nightclubs, because that's about, that's as far as it goes. They, they can't actually do anything else. And so what they've said, uh, you know, you will do this. They don't realise that they're they're so... They're so naive, these people, because they're only in their 20s and, you know, quite clearly the brain hasn't fully developed. And so they think they can just go off and do things. And the company who run TOWIE go, uh, no, we're actually filming tomorrow. Well, I'm, I'm doing nightclub. No, dear, you're not. No, you're coming to do filming. That's what's what we do. OK. And, uh, and if you don't want to do that, let's ditch you and we get rid of you. And then you can go back to that place called obscurity where you've been living for the rest of your life. I, I do ask the questions, though. I do ask the questions on what some of these people do. You know, because some of them, before they were on there, I don't know what they did at all. I was more horrified to read an interview with Judy Finnegan. Judy Finnegan uh, was talking about her drink problem, which she hasn't got. She says it was a rumour started by somebody who was jealous of our success. Now, you see, I can't remember what happened. I remember, the the, the Richard and Judy stories I remember is that um, she was slim, blonde, golden girl of television... Uh, meets him. I think she's got children with somebody else. I'm pretty certain. I forget how many children they've got. But, of course, the only ones you hear about are boring old Chloe. Oh, yuck, yuck, yuck. And anyway, so, uh, you know, remember Chloe, the drink driver? The one who's done the drugs. Remember that? Talked about it, and Richard's gone, that's OK, that's OK. Yeah, we all do things like that. No, we don't. And uh, so Rich and Judy are up there on the dock, and they've got Fred Tolbert doing the weather, jumping about, and... Um, and they, because they didn't know anything about that. Why would they? It's his private life. And they didn't really know him at all. He was just, you know, nice weatherman and all the rest. Had his own circle of friends. Then, and, then, and then Judy, who claims she doesn't really know him, then goes, I think he was quite lonely. You've already just told us you don't know him. How do you know he's quite lonely? Quite clearly he wasn't, according to the court. Quite clearly not. But um, she said people could be so cruel. People were jealous of our success. Well, unfortunately, after they left Liverpool, things went rapidly downhill. It was doing okay, and then, uh, then they sort of the studios got smaller and smaller, and then it just sort of went off the boil. Which is a shame because the format was there, the format was there, and if if they'd stuck to it, it would have been would have been good. Yeah, she's got two sons with a different man, and then she's got Chloe and uh, Jack. Jack used to work at LBC, of course, as you know. In fact, actually, I've still got Chloe's number in here, and and Jack. Perhaps we should phone them. Hello. <laughs> Just out of interest. Actually, I love Jack to pieces. He he was very indiscreet at times. He'd tell you anything. He's, but that's like Richard Madeley. Richard Madeley would tell you anything. Tell you, seriously, tell you anything, because he's, he's a bit honest like that. Sometimes his downfall, 
sometimes, you know, plus points. But anyway, she's, she's got a book to launch, so they're talking about, you know... I don't know who would be jealous of their success. She did say it was another presenter, so they must know who it is. Who would be that other thing? Anyway, and then, then Judy opts out of... T- after the, the programme goes down, and they end up broadcasting from a little tiny matchbox, uh, it then goes off the boil, and then eventually the programme gets canned, because it's, it's not doing what it did. I th- I'm, the only ones that stick out in my mind, they had Paul Gascoigne on there, you know, way, because I've written a book, you know, and it's, yeah, my name's Gazza, and, and I remember sitting there thinking, oh, God, this is painful. And so they had a few guests on there. Uh, Judy did used to like Friday, not because it was the weekend, because it was the wine club, and, uh, you know, I would have enjoyed that as well. I've done programmes where we've opened bottles of wine, and I tell you, it goes through like that. It's fantastic. And uh, she was on there, and they'd be sort of sampling the wine, and she was having a good old time. And uh, But he he never let her have a word. She'd be sitting there, tra- and, and he'd just talk all over, and I'd be, I'd be saying, shut up, shut up, let her speak. The nation wants her. Anyway, she then opts out of television. Had enough of television, I'm going to write books, and the programme finishes, he goes off and sort of tiddles around doing a few little bits and pieces. Nothing in particular, just little bits and pieces. The uh, the daughter, Chloe, gets more irritating by the second. And, uh, and Jack, the son because they've got two other sons, but they're never mentioned. Um, he, he goes off and does his thing. In fact, you hardly ever hear from Jack. Hardly ever hear from him. And he's a lovely, lovely guy. In fact, the whole family are lovely. It's just that, you know, people become irritating. And so uh, then they do that. Then all of a sudden we have this thing whereby Judy makes a comeback to television. Loose women have a clear out. And when I say have a clear out, they're having a clear out because the audience has tailed off to zero. There are more people working on the show than are watching this piece of rubbish. And they can't work it out. They've got no idea that the fault lies with the panel. The fault lies with the panel. It's OK to have Sherry Hewson because she's mad as a toothbrush. You can put Sherry Hewson on a programme and she's funny because she's an actress. She's funny. She's witty. She could be quite serious about something. She's very human. I know this because I've been out for lunch with, with Sherry. And she's very much, you know, that kind of... What you see is what you get. There's no airs and graces. Unfortunately, they persevered with poor Colleen. Nasty little piece of work she is, let me tell you. Katie Hopkins told us that. We have that on, uh, on disc, I was going to say on tape, which sounds very old-fashioned. And she said that after Katie Hopkins appeared on the programme and Colleen laid into her. And uh, then at the very end, uh, Katie Hopkins had somebody with her and Colleen was vile to her. And then because she, she couldn't cope with it, because uh, twice in the programme, Colleen turned her back on Katie Hopkins. Which, of course, isn't easy if you're Colleen, because it practically takes a dinkum dicker to turn around, she's so fat. And uh, so you have to, so the, the, the chair is almost electrified, so they, they push a button and they go, Zzz. it's like a little crane moving. In fact, if you gave her a fishing rod, she could probably fish for you at the same time. And uh, so we knew she was, and of course, she'd, she's just filth. She just talks dirty. That's all it is. She talked about her son, this is Colleen Nolan, the one who never sang with the Nolans. La, 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 la I'm in the mood, la, 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 la. She never sang with them. They had the hits long before she came along. And, uh, and then she sort of capitalised on it. Then they didn't. Sp- then the family stopped speaking. It all became a bit disastrous. But of course, most people in the business revel in this kind of stuff because we love it when when families implode, and they certainly imploded. And um, and so she sort of goes on there. She talked about her son, who when he turned was it sixteen or eighteen, she was going to send him to a prostitute so he could get his first experience of a woman. Then she went on and embarrassed her other son because uh, her answer phone had him making love to his girlfriend. Kind of odd. And uh, constantly talk about, you know, me and Ray were all together, whereas you know there's an insecurity there completely. <coughs> Katie Hopkins hates her. Hates her with, 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 with a passion. And therein lies the problem of the panel. It's no good having a few intelligent people on there if you've got a few dumbos. 
You know, and I mean that in size as opposed to anything else that emanates from her mouth. You know, they need to get rid of her because she's dragging the programme down. They need to put somebody on there who represents women. You know, just I mean, anybody can sit there and be dirty and be double entendre. You can do that all the time. But, you, you know, you've got to do it with some intelligence. And the one thing she doesn't... She lives in Blackpool. I rest my case. There you go. I've set out the stall and I've told you she lives in Blackpool. And therein she'll be known as that boring one on the panel who thinks she's funny. She's not funny. So get rid of it. So anyway, so they then ditch a load of people. Unfortunately, they end up keeping Colleen and a few other people. And they bring in different... And they bring in Judy Finnegan as part of this line. And, of course, we're all waiting. Week after week goes by and we're still waiting. They bring in, you know, Gloria Honeyford and they bring in a few other people. And they're still waiting, still waiting. And then Judy Finnegan appears. Ta-da! We all, so it's Judy Finnegan's back on the television. Judy, Judy, what's she saying? What's she saying? And of course she got it all wrong. She didn't quite explain it properly. And there was a backlash. Again, Judy Finnegan, we all go, Judy Finnegan, what's she said? We got quite worried about Judy Finnegan, which was a great shame. And uh, and then it all went a bit pear-shaped, and that was... Oh, I haven't seen her. I've seen her once since then. And um, it's it's different. If you've been fronting a programme and you've been the main person, to all of a sudden be part of a panel is a difficult thing to do. I'm telling you, very difficult. Even doing double-headed breakfast shows is very difficult. You know, one person, fine. Two people, they battle, unless they know how to play the game. 14 minutes to seven. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to seven. The sun comes up. It's going to be a hot day today. Well, I hope it's going to be a hot day for you today. I would hate to think it's going to be a cold day. It's certainly going to be nice. I mean, it, it's, I don't think it's quite going down to the beach. Although yesterday people did. They went to Brighton and uh, other places. And uh, anyway, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Must mention the fact that uh, Katie Hopkins is going to be with Stig this morning. Uh, she's going to be talking about International Women's Day. So, uh, Katie Hopkins joining Stig for breakfast. When I say joining him for breakfast, it makes it sound like she's popping around for poached eggs on toast. It's not, not quite as exciting as that. Although poached eggs on toast would be very, uh, very nice at this time of the morning. Um, another one here says, laying by a pool uh, in Muscat, says Viv, listening to you, holiday now complete. Great, isn't it? Uh, great. Then uh, somebody else says, this is Christine, Colleen Nolan should have considered a dignified way of dealing with Miss Hopkins as it backfired. Exactly, it just made Colleen look silly. She could have actually, if she'd had a moment of intelligence, just a brief, a brief, you know, flash or something like that, she could have played it so much better, but she didn't. You remember that you can download the Katie Hopkins in conversation. I said, how soon into the conversation did you realise that her and uh, Janet Street Pavement uh, Walker were going to actually be stitching you up? She said about a second, about a second. <laughs> Oh, dear. Christine's the one who says, I always found the interviews with Richard and Judy awkward to watch, as he wouldn't let it get a word in edgeway. No, I mean, he he wouldn't. And I used to say, let her talk. Let her talk. So, of course, when she appeared on Loose Women, and then she was she was able to talk, it was it was almost like watching a bit of car crash television. But they did try. Do you remember they actually tried Loose Men? And that really didn't work. That was that was really absolutely appalling. Uh, so, so we haven't even wandered through the papers yet. You know why? Because there's just so much going on in the world. Uh, and so many other things that we need to talk about. So we will get round after the, after the, uh, the news at 7 o'clock this morning, just to go through them properly. I'll give you a sort of a, a little bit of a taste. Uh, there's a picture of three models. That's somebody called Suki. That's, now, I do know, because, I'm, because it's such an unusual name, it's Suki Waterhouse. Cara Delevingne, she swings for the other side, doesn't she? I think we've now accepted the fact that Cara Delevingne is gay. And she's with uh, Georgia May Jagger, but they're all topless. It's a bit like sort of... 
Makes you feel slightly queasy at the same time. Uh, Anton Deck have launched a second attempt to crack America. Well, it's not going to happen, as we know. Um, they've got people like that in America. What they don't want is two people they can't understand. They'd have to put subtitles on the programme. So what they've done is they've sold the format of the show, but an American will be doing it. Because Anton Deck have tried before and it, it's failed. They, they've tried programmes over here. Didn't work. The Likely Lads thing that they did didn't work. The thing about, was it Roswell with the alien, that didn't work either. You know, what they're actually good at, they should stick to. I don't know why they ever bothered to sort of stretch themselves and, and do anything else. So they now say they're going to shut up to crack America. How many criminals are at large in the UK? What do you reckon? 200? 300? 350. For, it could be a question, couldn't it, on Countdown or something like that. You know, how many convicted foreign criminals are here? Would you believe 5,000? We can't deport them. They hide behind this Human Rights Act. Murderers, rapists, paedophiles. They're all here. But the good news is that the lawyers are making about 280 quid an hour out of them, which you're paying for. So uh, that's why they're still here. We can't actually deport them. Romanians are eight times as likely to be jailed here as Britons. You don't, they don't need to make anything out of that. Go, go to the courts. Go to the court. Just go into any court. Any court. Length and breadth of the land. You know, Crown Court, obviously. And uh, anyway, it's got a jury. And you have a look at all the names that are coming up there. 80% Romanian. 80% Romanian. They are eight times as likely to be jailed here as Britons because they come here and they thieve and, they, and we go, oh, it's all right. But yet all the courts are clogged up by them. Why can't we send them home? Why can't we just get rid of these people? Somebody commits an act. I mean, um, you would have thought, you know, paedophile gangs and, uh, and rapists and murderers and uh, we've seen lots of cases. Can you believe some of the excuses? Try not to get too too overexcited, try to keep your blood pressure down a little bit. Apparently 140 of them are using lack of papers to hinder deportation. So what they do is they come in on the plane, they rip their, their papers up and they flush them down the toilet and then they get here and go, asylum. And we go, oh, come on in. Come on, we give you house, give you money. Oh, your son's a murderer. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry. We don't worry about things like that. Nine of them, so far, refuse to even say where they come from. So, you see, I think in cases like that, you know, all this rubbish about human rights. Nine of them claim they have married partners and or children in the UK. That's what they do. Perverts and paedophiles and rapists, they end up getting married to somebody just for the sake of staying here. 93 are waiting for passports. Rip them off. They throw them away. 43 claim they have refugee status. They don't. Did they find a runner from, from something, from some games or something? And he'd been, he'd been living rough here. And he goes, oh, he's actually trying to sort of stay in the country. I don't want him staying in the country. Kick him out. Kick him out. Apparently six claim their home country is too dangerous to return to. That was, uh, that was old uh, Jihadi John's dad, isn't it? Lying old soul. Can't go back to Kuwait. It's far too dangerous. He's got a house there. He's got a house there. We're so stupid. 23 face further legal action in the UK and 201 cases with unspecified grounds for appeal. And that's only the ones they found about. You can imagine how, how huge... This problem is. Also, Downing Street. Why did it try to stop the Mail on Sunday from seeing the Cyril Smith child abuse papers? Now, I do appreciate the fact, and as I was listening to people earlier on talking about Cyril Smith, he's dead. You can say anything you like about Cyril Smith. He cannot sue. I know you can call him any name you want under the sun. But now they say that Mrs Thatcher, she's dead as well. You, can't, you can say anything about her. She was warned about him and the underage sex case. I mean, to be honest with you, he was a grossly obese man who obviously preyed on people, but I don't know. I wasn't there. It's like they had some papers which they found a short while ago. All this stuff that's suppressed by the government. 
And you think, why? You know, why? Why would you want to suppress something? There was a lad who disappeared years and years ago at the age of, I think, 14 or 15. And it's now turned out that they've got papers in the government about him. And you think, but why have, why have they not tried to explain that to people? Why have they not tried to explain to a mother who's still waiting for her son to come home that he might be dead? They don't actually know. Well, they might know. That's the trouble. That's the trouble. They don't really know. Don't be hypnotised by this fraudulent nonsense. This is uh, Philip Schofield's latest tatty outing of a, of a show on the television. It appears to show members of the public being hypnotised, branded a fraud... Contestants compete for cash prizes after being put in a trance by a hypnotist who claims to have hacked into their minds. I mean, it's just... It's it's rubbish, I'm afraid. It's absolute rubbish. I mean, uh, one uh, hypnotherapist says here that TV brainwashing is a nonsense, could be exploiting vulnerable people. But I think people play up to it. They think people play up to it. You're on stage. OK, play up to it, play up to it. OK, you're going under, you're under... Get out of my pub. That's what they say. That's one, one of the women's on the trail for it. I mean, to be honest with you, Philip Schofield will align himself with just about anything. It doesn't really... How much does it pay? He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do anything. He doesn't care. Makes no difference. Uh, producers abided by the 1952 Hypnotism Act and Ofcom rules and showing the full hypnotism routine, which may cause... So they, they actually come up with this guff that they, they can't show you that. Can't show you that. It's like they can't show you, uh, you know, any of these sort of people who contact the other side. Oh, he's with me now, darling. He's here. He's in the room. He got run over. He's, he's, he's hidden his money in... Oh, I, I can't remember where he's saying. Where did you hide the money, love? Oh, he doesn't say. He's got loads of money hidden from you. He was having an affair with the woman next door. Oh, he misses you, darling. He really does. He's got 16 children with all the other women in the road. It's about as, uh, about as interesting as that. About as interesting as that. And so, um, one here, ITV selected contestants via auditions. One who failed to get a place tweeted, my conclusion is that they're looking for people who purposefully carry on for the cameras because it makes... Of course! Of course they are! What do you think? You don't seriously think that people can be hypnotised? Oh, come on, grow up. Grow up, for goodness sake. Okay, so now all the crowd are naked, you know. I mean, it's just... There's people on this programme who will be frauds. They're playing up for an audience, you know. Oh, look, something really funny happened. Oh, we're all going to laugh about it, etc., etc. It's just a bit, uh, just a bit dreary, isn't it? And also, can't they find anybody else apart from Philip Schofield? Four months after she admitted killing her three terminally ill children, and uh, she's seen here with her only surviving child, the first picture of the banker's wife, who shows she's home again. She's taking her kids to school. This is only four months after she killed them. How is this possible? How is this possible? She's got a hospital order and that's about it. And here she is, wandering, I mean, obviously not for much longer, I should imagine. She enters a plea of guilty and um, and she killed the children. And so now, four months on, she's going off to school with her one surviving child. What's happening? What is going on in this country? It's all gone mad, hasn't it? It's Steve Allen's early breakfast... I see that the Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, is to issue a humiliating apology after the Mail on Sunday exposed him for misleading the House of Commons over who will foot the huge compensation bill for victims of Jimmy Savile. Interesting. Uh, Also, Pink Floyd wife, the moment I knew my son was going to jail for the cenotaph, shame. This is Charlie Gilmore, idiot of all idiots. And to be honest with you, you know, we didn't have much time for him on this programme, and I still don't have much time. And now, all this time on... 
His, uh, his mother, the writer Polly Sampson, and she's spoken for the terrible moment after he defiled one of our monuments to the war dead. He was going to prison. I laughed like a drain, Polly. I laughed like a drain. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up to five minutes past seven. Actually, it's quite nice. I had a quick look out the window. It looks, uh, looks a little bit chilly still, but I think it's going to be a nice day today. So the advice is, come up, come on, get up. You might as well go and make the effort. It's Sunday. It's the 8th of March. It's Steve Allen's breakfast on LBC till 8. Sig is here at 8 this morning. Just been listening to it. They're having a discussion outside on the programme, what's going to be on it. It's all terribly dignified. It's like gentlemen at a gentleman's club. It's quite sweet, really. Uh, the dawn raids on the homes in historic abuse cases still go on. Johnny Vaughan's got divorced. That's a bit of a surprise. I thought that was uh, rock solid. Uh, the only way is Ouija. Can't wait to bring you that story. And uh, Harrison Ford says, I'll fly again. I'll crash again, I should imagine. 70-something. Goodness sake, I mean, there's a limit to how many times you can be flying planes. Flying planes. So, uh, the papers for this morning. Uh, we'll run through the uh, the front page. I had a pizza last night. I don't normally do pizza. I'm not a pizza person. You know what I had? I'm so common. I'm so working class. I had a Hawaiian pizza. That's ham and uh, pineapple. How working class am I? How cool is that? And I had garlic bread as well. I loved it. And then, and then for dessert, I had pistachio ice cream with chocolate. Chocolate ice cream as well. It was delicious. Absolutely delicious. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, The Front pages of the papers. I love the Sunday papers. The reason I love the Sunday papers is because there's, there's more of them. And believe you me, I mean, you can absolutely break a back moving these papers backwards and forwards. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Nobody appears to be looking forward to this Philip Schofield programme. I think mainly because it's Philip Schofield again. He's on the Cube, Mr and Mrs, all the award ceremonies. He's on, you know, this morning every day of the week. And now he's doing this thing back in the room. Haven't they got anybody else? Are ITV that desperate? Answer, yes, they are that desperate. There is nobody. There's nobody out there. You know, even Eamon Holmes, they don't, they don't bother ringing his phone anymore. You know, because he tried the quiz. It didn't work. It didn't work. The trouble is, see, Eamon wanders through things. You know, he's, he, he was never, you know, probably great guest. You could probably have a good discussion round a table with him, which I think he'd probably be better at. But uh, fronting quiz pro is not good. Ruth could do it. Ruth could do it. But there again, they don't put women on quizzes because they don't rate. Women don't want to watch other women. You know, that's why the audience for Loose Women is so small. It's just about the people sitting in the studio on those terribly uncomfortable chairs. Uh, Here's a girl. Who is this? Oh, sorry. sorry. I I was sort of struck here. Her name is Chloe Etherington. And uh, she's in Geordie Shaw. She's an ugly. I mean, I don't want to be rude about it, but the trouble is, just because you stick somebody in a bikini nowadays does not mean they're attractive. She's got a minging face. She's wearing somebody else's hair. Her makeup is terrible. And she just looks low rent. She just looks low rent. Oh, and she's got a tattoo under one of her boobs. I mean, really, it's awful. But uh, little Mike Tyndall has told how he struggled to cope without Zara Phillips whilst filming his uh, reality show. I'm sorry, Mike, I'm I'm really sorry to say this, but I'm so bored with you. Why don't you go back and uh, sit under your wife's elbow? Because I'm so bored with you. You're a dreary nobody, Okay, I'm really had enough with you. One show, fine. Two shows, you're now getting to be irritating. 
But he says here, when you're out for 15 hours a day, you do think about your family a lot. Well, go back to them then, dreary. Don't sit there droning on like some old girl's blouse about, you know, oh, I miss my wife. Well, stay with her then, for goodness sake. Don't appear on any more shows. You're you're not good enough as well. I mean, you haven't won anything, have you? Haven't won anything at all. Ollie Murs. People like Ollie Murs, but I do worry about when the singing career finishes. He's now being lined up for a job on the X Factor as bosses plan big format changes for this year's show. They say here, the runner-up is tipped to replace Louis Walsh on the panel or be added as a fifth judge. They won't get rid of Louis Walsh. Why would you get rid of Louis Walsh? What's the point of getting rid of him? ITV producers and bosses are keen for um, for Ollie Murs to replace Louis Walsh. Ollie's become a huge international star. The hell he has. Oh, do me a favour. He's known in Bridlington, all right? Hardly international. Ollie Murs is an international star. Off you go then, Ollie. Go to America. Listen, if his career was doing well, you don't think he'd be up for this job, do you? Seriously. You know, you've got to keep Louis Walsh. At least he's reasonably honest. I mean, admittedly, he doesn't know where he is half the time, but that's the fun of it. You know, Dermot O'Dreary, I think he's run his course. And uh, Ollie Murs as well. You've got to make up your mind in this business. What are you? Are you a singer? Or do you want to be presenter? Because you can't be both, OK? You can't, you can't just sort of do a bit of presenting. Then when that dries up, you start going singing. You know, it just doesn't work like that because you've, you've, your loyalties are split. So, you know, and also a fifth person on the panel. Well, next to... Is Cheryl Versace Spagbol still doing it? God, blimey, and she doesn't contribute anything at all. Why, hey, chicken, I think you're really good. Well, it's certainly better than you, love. Terrible, excuse me. Oh, it's delicious. Do you know, honestly, it's my third cup of coffee of the day, and I've got the big mug. I found the big mug. I might even take it home. It's, it's bigger than the mug that I've got at home, but today I'm so tired. I only had about three hours sleep last night. You know when you've just climbed into bed and you can't get the pillow comfy? You know, squash it up and do this and that. And then you, Do you lie on your arm? Do you lie... Oh, I can never get comfy. And last night was one of those days I couldn't get comfy at all. Uh, rapist soccer star Ched Evans will find out within days whether his conviction is to be referred back to the Court of Appeal. I'd forgotten about him conveniently. Uh, also, X Factor winner Shane Ward set to join Coronation Street... Oh, right. Lovely. And um, uh, Danny Dyer leads the cast as they film the funeral of his TV dad after Stan Carter loses his battle with prostate cancer. It's only pretend. It's only pretend. It's not real. It's not his real dad. It's just in the in the series. And they film it. And you think, it's just pretend. Do you think some people have sent flowers? I'm really sorry, Danny, you've lost your dad. You think that? I did watch that programme last night. I didn't quite take to it, actually. I know it's... it's oh, see, I like Stephen... Mulhern a lot. I like Steve Mulhern a lot. And he was, he was a little bit wicked and cruel last night. But I couldn't understand why that uh, bankrupt Joe Swash was even allowed on a programme. Do you see his son? Jumping up and down and getting all excited over trying to find these names. Joe Swash, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I wouldn't put him on anything. He can barely string two words together. Terrible. Terrible. I uh, wonder whatever happened to Imogen Thomas, writes the Daily Star. No, I never worried about that at all. Couldn't care less. She could have fallen off her lilo and drowned. I really wouldn't know about it. Did you ever wonder? And then Georgia Kusulu was going for a night out in Essex with her boyfriend, Tommy Mallet. And she's going out in her underwear. I mean, I don't quite... I mean, what is she? I mean, is she, is she a model? She's wearing somebody else's hair. You can always tell there was a girl in one of the restaurants last night. And uh, she had hair. You could see it was all... You could see the clips in the back. It looked really cheap. I wanted to say to her... You look ridiculous. But I held back. So I just sniggered every time she went past the table. 
like that, just so it's sort of kind of reinforces. And Georgia Kasulu was going out the other night in her bra. I mean, you know, dress like a brass, behave like a brass, get treated like a brass, put some clothes on, dear, okay? Makes you look a bit cheap. Don't want your parents to be embarrassed by you going, oh, God, that's our daughter, the brassy one on the show. But that could, uh, that covers a multitude, doesn't it, on The Only Way is Essex. It's like Chloe Sims and Elliot uh, Wright are apparently seeing, um, uh, consulting a psychic over their relationship. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, you, you have to laugh, don't you? Two thickos together. Two thickos together. Elliot Wright, what do you do, love? What was your job beforehand? I think there's an investigation there, I'm sure. Uh, Johnny Vaughan has split from his wife. Apparently, following a string of rows, they say. Well, I don't know that. I don't know that. I think that's a shame, actually. Uh, it's a 14-year marriage. Isn't that dreadful? You know, if you've been married to somebody for, for 14 years, that's a long time. That's a, that's a lifetime. Nobody else is involved. And um, so they've sort of just got on with their life, actually. They met... He was working at a video store, I think, and she was working uh, as a costume designer. And uh, and then, you know, it's... Oh, I don't know. I think that's quite sad, really. I suppose after a while, people fall out of love, don't they? Although sometimes you fall into love. But uh, anyway, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. They're all doing it, though, aren't they? People sort of having these relationships. I mean, 14 years, that is a lifetime. And uh, Katie Price and Kieran Haler... Two little dummies together are going to celebrate renewing their vows by jetting off to the Caribbean. God, I hope I'm not going to ruin your holiday, ladies and gentlemen. Any of you listening going to the Caribbean, watch out. The uh, the trailer trash is on its way over there. It's going to lower the tone of the holiday. It's really embarrassing. Apparently, they retied their knot a fortnight ago for money. Everything was rented. Her hair, uh, the clothes, the makeup, everything was rented. She didn't own anything in there. And uh, Kieran, he's looking really off now, don't you think so? When she first married him, he, he looked fit. That's why he was able to have the affair with the two other women. Now he just looks a bit bloated. And apparently he's supposed to be a fitness trainer. But there again, they're to a penny, aren't they? And um, apparently renewing their vows was the first step for a complete new start for her. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. Apparently she saw him making love to one of them on a beach. That must be exciting, mustn't it? Mind you, she does live in a doolally world, ladies and gentlemen. But apparently they want to take the kids with them, and presumably a film crew, so that they can sort of relive that happy moment where they're together as a family. These are the kids she said she wouldn't be exploiting, but of course, as you know, she she can't remember from one day to the next what she said. And uh, they went on a date to a sushi restaurant. God, she's been in... Oh, it's sushi. It doesn't quite count as a restaurant, does it? Sushi just comes in like a a polystyrene... So she'll be used to the polystyrene box... You know, should be get, oh, it's, oh, it's sushi, Kira. <laughs> you know, it's a bit how it'll be. Because she's been we, we eating foreign. Look, foreign. Look, 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 I'll give it seaweed stuck between her teeth. It's an attractive look, isn't it? And she goes home, takes it all off, and he suddenly realises she's a bloke. That'll be hilarious. Right, what else we have in the papers today? What else we have? This is the... I forgot to mention it. This is the Sunday Mirror. Gillian's back for good. This is Gillian Tailforth. She's returned from the dead as Cathy Beale. That's quite sweet, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. And uh, believe it or not, Lewis Hamilton has opened his heart up about Nicole Scherzinger and said, I'm stronger than ever. Is it my imagination or is he really the world's most boring racing driver? Is it? I mean, I don't, I don't see any spark there. I don't see any sort of like, wow, you know, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Come on, say something. Say anything. Lewis, Lewis, over here. Come on, come on. You can say something. No, he can't. I've seen him on chat shows. He is as boring as dishwater. I promise you, it's really so dull. Quarter past seven. Leading Britain's conversation. 
Beverly Turner. This morning from 10 on LBC. I know how somebody is affected. Even a minor brain injury can really affect a person's being, their personality. Now think about this in context of Mohamed Mwazi. Not everybody who has a brain injury is going to end up a murderer. And not everybody who is a murderer has had a brain injury. But this story for me now takes a little bit of pause. I have to look at it in a slightly different way. Beverly Turner. This morning from 10 on LBC. Morning, everybody. Sticks with you at 8 o'clock for breakfast this morning. And uh, the Hopkins woman's in. OK, talk about International Women's Day. Uh, Steve, you're spot on with Colleen Nolan, says Steve Miller. I present Sky's Fat Families. She has the big fat ego. Spot it a mile off. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's to be honest, Katie Hopkins said to me, she said after, after she came off after the programme, Colleen was rude to a friend of Katie Hopkins who was with her. And then she was so traumatised, she had to go outside and smoke 30 Rothmans, which is interesting. But uh, no, she's a big fat fraud. Big fat fraud on the programme. I don't know why she's on there. I really don't know why she's on there. You know, if we wanted smut, you can, you can find it anywhere, can't you? But uh, Steve does enjoy this programme. Home truths and spot on. He says, best broadcast of the day. Well, I wouldn't say it was the best broadcast of the day. It's, it's the best in its time slot. Best in its time slot, which I always tell people. Uh, 84850, steve at Um Another one here. Um, Scott says, uh, uh, Colleen Nolan did sing on a Nolan song. She was the lead on Chemistry, which got to number 15. Oh, God. <laughs> And uh, Phil said, yes, I also, I can't repeat that story because it's about a well-known celebrity, but I, I also had heard exactly the same thing. Yes, I know. That's the trouble you see. You know, it's, uh, you, you know, you read things about celebrities in the newspapers and you go, but we know the truth. We know really what happened. Uh, Paul says, excellent in conversation with Jimmy Somerville. Like you, says what he thinks, but God, I now feel old. <laughs> That's the worst thing, isn't it? That's the worst thing when somebody starts talking about something. And, you, and it is a good interview. It's a very, very good interview. Very, very good interview. And you can download it. It runs again this evening at, uh, at nine o'clock. There's a, a question in one of the papers today. And uh, it says, will we ever find out what happened to missing flight MH370? No. It's taken them eight years and millions of pounds to find an aircraft, hang, uh, aircraft carrier that went down years and years ago. Uh, that's the biggest aircraft carrier they've ever seen. Biggest warship out there. It was a Japanese warship. And so you think you're going to find an aircraft? MH370? I don't think so. There's a picture in one of the papers today. It's quite a horrendous picture. I think it's in the, uh, in the Alps of two bodies poking up from the ice and snow. They've just been uncovered after all this time. There's been a bit of a thawing. And uh, they say it was probably two climbers from years ago. You know, really, really, you know, really difficult to sort of, you know, understand all these sorts of things. But it's out there, so they're never going to find flight MH370. They really aren't. It's just, you know, just... I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's just not going to happen, I'm afraid. Not going to happen at all, which is, uh, which is a shame, because somewhere down there in the ocean are a lot of people strapped into seats. And then Paul Marley. Poor soul, honestly. How many friends have you got? Oh, only 12. Oh, it's a bit sad, isn't it? He says, and... Uh, are you rude to people who to people that you're jealous of? <laughs> you are as thick as you sound, aren't you? Why would you ever be jealous of Colleen Nolan? Mind you, you probably would be, I suppose. And uh, Joey's, Joey uh, says that Lewis Hamilton may seem dull. No, he is dull. I've seen him being interviewed on shows. But it's just because he's a really nice guy, I think. <laughs> See? Even you're not sure. 
Um, and I did love the story because I love a story which concerns a psychic. And I love it when they have to put the credibility of the psychic on there. The story is of uh, Chloe Sims. Woo! There's a Thai lady boy. And uh, Elliot Wright. There's a man with a history. And uh, they've turned to a psychic for relationship advice, which is very sweet, actually, because they're both too stupid. They couldn't work it out for themselves. The Essex pair who started dating last summer. It's been on, off, on, off, on, off. A bit like uh, Nicole Scherzinger and uh, and Lewis. And then they announced in January they were going their separate ways after a series of... Who cares, dear? Listen, lovies, you know, nobody's remotely interested in your dreary little relationship. You know, Elliot's got two children at home with an ex-wife. You know, perhaps if he spent more time there, that might be useful. Perhaps he might try and rekindle that relationship. Obviously not going to happen, is it, Elliot? Last week, they consulted a TV psychic. A TV psychic? Who could it be? Who could it... Which well-known TV psychic? Who, Who is it? Sally Cudmore. Who? Sally Cudmore. She's a TV psychic. Wow. Sally's who's appeared on This Morning. Wow. Well, that's it. You're obviously a real psychic, aren't you? Sally Cudmore, you've been on This Morning, so she's a real psychic. And... She says, because she couldn't wait to tell people about herself, uh, obviously all readings are confidential, but what I can say... (laughs) In other words, it's all confidential, but I'm telling you this, all right? So she's obviously... You couldn't trust her like that. She says, I advise them to spend a few days apart. No talking, no texting. Darling, they've been like that since January. We're in March. They followed that advice. No contact would show how they feel for each other. I'm sorry, you're a psychic, dear. You don't do marriage relationships, do you? Do you talk to the dead? You're one of those people. Because you're doing the right pair there, because Chloe Sims looks like she's brain dead. I've spoken to them since and have given them both bits of advice. <gasps> because she's a TV psychic. That's why. TV psychics know everything. Because they're like, really, they're like the best thing to God. Because they're, they're like Sally Morgan, because she talks to me. He's here, darling. He's with me now. <laughs> he's a bit cut up because he was in that accident, but he's still here, isn't he? Cheryl Versace, Vassini, Spagbol, knee tweedy, knee court appearance, says that um, she's been treated to a second honeymoon last month. Wow, that is so exciting. You see, the trouble is, she's kind of killed the egg already and the golden goose because she's telling you about bits you couldn't really give a forex about. Who cares she went on a second honeymoon? Who cares? And apparently it made one of her dreams come true, an elephant safari. Must be like meeting the family love, I should imagine. The Elephant elephant Safari. Wow, that's really exciting. Cheryl is undecided about a return to the X Factor. Oh, don't go, dear. You only make yourself look silly. Because you don't know anything about it. So what's what's the point of going there? What is the point? Don't go. Don't go. Carol Malone. Love Carol Malone's column. Really do. Her and, and Katie Hopkins. Love all that kind of stuff. Somebody asked me the other day. It was so funny. Somebody, my goddaughter, was talking about Susanna Reid. She said, Uncle Steve... I said, yeah, she said, we watched Susanna Reid on the television the other day. I said, did you, darling? She said, she's very pretty. And Mummy said, Uncle Steve knows her. So that's, uh, you know, the fame spreads far and wide. Did I tell you I've got a book out? Did I mention my book? I can't remember if I've ever mentioned the fact that I've got a book out. And uh, it's a guide, really. I was going to send a copy to Chloe Sims, but I thought, I don't think she can read. So I'm not too sure whether or not to waste the book. So I haven't wasted the book. I haven't bothered sending it. But it's called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. And you can buy it in foils in all the mainline stations. You can find it on Amazon as well, and it's the Steve Allen Guide to Being a Celebrity. So if you want to be famous, like what I am, not, uh, then you can buy this book, and you could give it to somebody you love. I mean, you know, but we're doing quite well, actually. I, I don't actually need to mention it. You know, it sounds a little bit cheap, I realise, but it is such a good book, and uh, and I do stand by it. It's, it's like listening to the programme, only in print form. 
And we talk about people who are celebrities, how you become a celebrity, how you maintain being a celebrity, how much you can earn being a celebrity, and uh, how you can avoid the pitfalls. You know, my, my, my advice to any so-called celebrity, and for that I treat the people on reality shows as minor celebrities, if not a bit simple. I always say to them, try not to do drugs and sleep around. Now, I realise that in the case of the cast of TOWIE and Made in Chelsea, that's a bit difficult because, you know, a lot of them do sleep around in the programme. And all I say to them is, you know, try not to get the girlies pregnant because you'll be paying for it. In the case of Dan Osborne, who's had to write a long missive apologising for his foul-mouthed, drunken, whatever it was, outrageous statements to his ex-girlfriend where he threatened to kill her... And he's now said, I was in a very bad place. And uh, being the stupid person that he is, this snivelling apology doesn't work with me, doesn't work with the journalists either. He's now the lover of Jacqueline Josser, but he's been the lover of quite a number of people. He has two children. How he has uh, the means to support them, I've got no idea. But uh, anyway, he did a 184-word statement. God, that must have been difficult, mustn't it? I wasn't even sure he had a vocabulary of 184 words. He says, it's taken me a, a while to find the right words. Yeah, he wanted to make sure what the newspapers had got on you, didn't you, really? I thought that's what it was. He says, I'm truly sorry to anybody who was offended. Yeah, I think saying you're going to kill somebody and knife them. I think truly offended. I think you've gone beyond truly offended, Mr Osborne. And he said, but uh, I'm very sorry to everybody at TOWIE. I've let them down. I think they should kick you out of the programme immediately. I think it should absolutely be kicked out. I'm sorry, there's no room for people like you. And he says, and I thank everybody for their understanding. Mm, I know, I often say that to my producer. I'm going to stick a knife in your back. You know, thank you for your understanding. You know, mess up the programme, knife in your back. That's how it works, isn't it, Dan? He says, I'm going to take a short break to concentrate on my family. I know. Will that be the the ex-girlfriend who you had a baby with and then ditched her to go with the latest one? Oh, dear, you're not a nice person, are you? I'm hoping that they kick him off the uh, the programme. I'm hoping they kick him off the programme. There's no room for people like you, mate. I'm sorry, I'm not interested in snivelling apologies, as the sun describes it this morning, as we've now got recording number two. You really are horrible, aren't you? 7.30. On LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, eight. Joey says, how come no TV psychics contacted Harrison Ford and told him not to go flying? Well, they only do dead people, don't they? So Sally Morgan, oh, he's with me, darling. He's here next to me. No, he's not. No, he's not, dear. Unless you've had a few drinks. (laughs) Dan says, I've laughed out loud about eight times this morning. That's the trouble, isn't it, with laughing gas? There's not a lot you can do about it. Um, So Amir Khan's in the papers again. Oh, dear, what a track record this boy has. Yes, it's generally with loose women. And apparently somebody's got a book out. Okay, now I don't want to ruin it for you. But um, this is somebody called... Letitia Grace. Who in God's name is she? Letitia Grace. I've never even heard of her. Never even heard of her. Apparently she's an MTV reality star. She's got a book called The Valleys. And apparently she's Babe. And um, his wife left a nightclub that he was in. And uh, and he hooked up with her. And apparently he came over and offered cash, she says in her book, for sex. There's something the matter with Amir Khan. He sort of likes to promote himself as sort of clean-cut... He's, uh, he's got his own charity, the, the Amir Khan Foundation. And he says, I am where I am through the guidance of Allah and the love of my family. And yet, I think I could almost count on two hands over the last few years how many women he's come on to. And the wife can't have puts up with it, really. So, you know, another load of old baloney from somebody trying to flog a book or absolute truth on what a sleazebag he is. 
because uh, he's tried it on. I don't know how long ago this was. I've got no idea. She says uh, maybe back in Bolton, some tart would give him a in the toilets, but this was Miami baby. I don't even know who she is. I wish I, I wish I could tell you who she was, but I've got no idea. Oh, more pictures of snivelling Dan Osborne. Oh, really? I do hope that the bosses of TOWIE actually see that what you said to your ex-girlfriend is totally unforgivable. Unforgivable. You know, I'm going to knife you, you, and call her every name under the sun. You're a deeply, deeply unpleasant person, aren't you? Deeply unpleasant. I did laugh, though, at Dale Cregan. This is uh, Dale Cregan, who's in prison uh, for life, who's apparently running his crime network from jail. And I, the, the only reason I laughed at it is because I'm thinking he's in prison for the remainder of his life. He's, he's, he's not going anywhere, and he's running his sort of his criminal network. For, well, what good is that? He's banged up. He's staying in prison. Not exactly going to be saving for the day you come out, are you, sweet pea? You're not going to be coming out any time soon. Tony Parsons talks about uh, so British to protect uh, the IS scum. This is the family of the murderer known as Jihadi John, or Mo, who's a drunk, a pervert, a psychopath. He's just about everything. And uh, they're being guarded by armed police at a secret location for their own protection. Costing the taxpayer five grand a day. Even though his mother goes, I know that's my son. That's the murderer, my son. You know, to be honest with you, and we're still paying their benefits. I mean, we must be the stupidest country in the entire world. I'd have it taken away immediately. 40 grand a year? No, 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 dear. No, no. You better better make your own way in the world because you're getting nothing. Out the property. Out, all of you. Out now. You knew exactly who it was. You know, you're a lying family. I think it's just disgraceful. Uh, Rolf Harris apparently has landed a tax rebate as he winds up two firms. That, you know, you can wind up two firms and you do get things like that, I suppose. And the Mummies of the Mount are here today. This is uh, in Mexico. Neither climb has been named, but experts hope their clothing, preserved in the snow, will help identify them. They don't exactly look very happy about it at all. Uh, Michelle Keegan's looking forward to the wedding of the decade. If you're a chav and you're interested in this kind of low-rent thing, apparently they've been hundreds of their friends. Hundreds of their friends, sorry. Hundreds of their friends. What friends? Hundreds. I'm sorry. Nobody's got hundreds of friends. Unless, of course, you're living in a total fantasy world. And, of course, the whole thing will be organised by a magazine. That's what it'll be done by. Apparently, hours and hours of planning have gone in. Yeah. How much money do we get for it? How much How much money? Tell us what it's worth. I don't much. I don't hold out much hope, I'm afraid. Much hope. But it's so sweet of them to make an effort. And you know who's going to be there. It's going to be Arge. It's going to be all, all the numpties from, from, uh, from the programme. It'll be interesting to see who isn't there, won't it? That'll be, the, that'll be the best thing, as far as I'm concerned. That's the bit I like. 84850, steve at uk. Michael says, regarding Mr Wright, he was front of house at his dad's restaurant in, uh, in Spain. Oh, God. Oh, so he's a waiter. <laughs> I thought he was doomed. thought he was doomed. And, um... Colleen Nolan says Angelina, very unprofessional. She's got evil eyes. Evil, I've never looked at her eyes. Never even thought about it. Good heavens above. And, uh, yeah, Pip Schofield, Stephen Bridlick, we've already... Where have you been? Honestly, this programme starts at six. Don't start popping in at half past seven going, you know, something that we've done about three times. Really gets on my nerves. Really annoyed. If there's, if there's one thing that annoys me, it's people who are late. Can't bear people being late. Dreadful. Uh, 84850. Um... Vic says, just to update you on how far I'm reading your book, as I am a five-minute bedtime book reader, I'm now up to chapter eight, The Downside of Fame, and so far, so good. Yes, I know. It's so funny, actually. So there's a, there was a review on Amazon by somebody who's reviewed it, but of course they haven't bought it. They've just pretended that they've done it, because they're a bit simple. 
a bit simple. You get a few people who go, oh, I don't like that book I'm going to write, I don't like it. And so somebody wrote it, they haven't bought it at all, because I had, had a check on it just to find out. So, in other words, compulsive liars. But you know what liars you can do with? You can go drown them. Malcolm says, I watched the new series of Gogglebox on Friday. It's gone downhill. Um, I must be the only person who doesn't like it. I'm not remotely interested in, in a lot of frauds on the television. They're quite clearly, they're not watching it live. They've been given a DVD... And they sit down and watch, and then they film them. So you've got a lot of low-rent families. The only two who sort of pretend to be upper class appear to be drunk most of the time. And, uh, and I'm not interested in them. There's the two hugely hilarious-to-themselves black women who just sit there. I mean, I've never seen such bad acting in my entire life. And then there's a couple of families who are slightly odd and cracked, and families who all sit together with sort of, you know, sons and daughters who look like they should have left home about five years ago. It's all a bit peculiar. I don't like it. I can't bear it. I cannot bear it at all, so I, I don't watch it. Um, Sean in Camden says, you mentioned Loose Men. Why did it not work? Because who's interested in watching a load of men sitting around talking? Nobody's in. Put it this way, it's, it's struggling to get figures with women. Well, I say women. It's got Janet Street Porter on there. She's 97 this year. I mean, she's amazing. A great state of preservation. She really is. I mean, it's a house. You know, that and Botox and all the rest of it. I wonder if she's ever done Botox. That would be funny, wouldn't it? I don't think she has, actually. She's a bit sort She's a bit gobby. But there was a lovely programme years and years ago, Janet Street Porter featured on, and she clashed with Kelvin McKenzie. They were both involved with live TV, which I think you'd have to ask Nick Ferrari about it to get the full lowdown. But the television programme, he hated her and she hated him. And uh, Janet Street Porter's quite a bit blokey when it comes to arguing. And uh, it was very funny, actually. Very funny. Um, Patrick says, you won't stay slim eating pizza, garlic bread and ice cream. Oh, well, you know. I threw in a vegetable. I didn't actually. It was, well, I had some tomatoes on it, so that, that kind of covers, doesn't it? Well, I think it covers. Uh, 84850. George, no chance. No chance. But I will be voting this year. Definitely will be voting. And um, one here that says, I met Poppy from Towie the other day. Lovely girl. So much better in person. I don't know who no, Poppy is. I've got no idea. I mean, I, I have seen these people before, but I don't, I don't know who they are. Doesn't really help. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. I actually had somebody from Bridget. Who, Bridget, who, um, uh, as you know, is probably at Crufts, I should imagine. Now, she knows my opinion on Crufts. I've not held back on it at all. I'm not a fan of, of, of dog shows and stuff like that. And I, I, don't, I don't really like it, actually. I really don't. I don't like people dressing dogs up. It drives me mad. But she did meet uh, somebody the other day who I think lives in, uh, I think, around, um, around Twickenham. Uh, Jeremy went to historic Portsmouth. That is a good day out. That is a good day out. Uh, I've not seen 100 Heartbeats with Vernon Kay. Not remotely interested. And uh, I do quite like Tipping Point. I quite like Tipping Point. That's just about it. Uh, Nicola is the biggest Poldark fan. Oh, God. I saw it first time round. And uh, another one here. This is... uh, so Reference ITV presenters. They've only got Anton Deck, Pip Schofield and Stephen Mulhern. Says Dale. Well, well, give it to them, actually. Give it to their, Give it to anybody apart from Pip Schofield. He's on far too much. Far too much. Oh, Bridget, I've lost your blooming thing now. Since you sent it in, and I lost myself in uh, all of these, um, all of these texts and emails that came in. Oh, here it is. I went to Crufts and met a lady who lives in Twickenham, whose mother is a massive fan of yours, and her name is Peggy from Hamsworth. So there you go. Peggy from Hamsworth. Massive fan of the programme. Even on a Sunday morning, well, actually, having seen the audience figures, I have no doubt of this whatsoever. It's huge. Uh, has, Sal- has Sally Morgan ever been contacted to find Madeleine McCann, says Martin? Um, I don't know. I've got no... I couldn't answer that one. I know she's got a husband who's a homophobe, 
And she had to drop him as manager, so she said, because he was caught uh, ranting and raving. Ghastly man. Ghastly man. And uh, James in upmarket Shepherd's Bush. Well, bits of it. The road leaving out of Shepherd's Bush is fairly upmarket, isn't it? What's baloney? I don't know. I thought it was, a, thought it was a, an Italian sausage. <laughs> and uh, CJ there. Thank you. Uh, I don't know anything about Sally Morgan. Apart from that, she's got the world's biggest bottom. That's all I could tell you. And uh, another ten more days to go to your birthday. Oh, dear. Is it really? Is it really? Barbara and her mum, Lillian, who enjoy this programme as the good start to the day. And uh, and then Andrea says, uh, you're on a roll this morning. I can't stop laughing long enough to eat breakfast. Cheryl Tweedy, knee court appearance. Well, I was only joking. Well, actually, I wasn't joking. She did do a court appearance. I only tell the truth on this programme. Sasha in Hackney says... Um, I thought they would have gone to Sally Morgan, or does she only do dead people? She only does dead... Well, there's no point in talking to a live person, is there? Sally Morgan can only do... So somebody goes there, and they go, you know, so, and she'll go, Oh, I've got somebody... Is it Brian? Brian, or Beefy, or... You know, they, you know she apparently has a spirit guide. They're, they, they quite clearly, they mumble, or they're drunk, because she can never hear what they're talking about. You know, I'm sorry, what's their name? Why didn't she just say on stage, I'm sorry, dear, what is that name? You know, is it Brian? Is it Beat? What is, what is the name? Oh, I've got a name here. Somebody called Brian who passed over the other day. Is it? Well, what is the name? Either you know or you don't know. Goodness sake, honestly. Uh, I hope Katie Hopkins takes the kids during the summer holidays so she can get a fine. Oh, we'll, we'll end up paying for it, won't we, actually? Uh, 84850, steve at uk, and I still can't watch Judge Rinder or whatever his name is. Oh, God. What an appalling act that turned out to be. Quarter to eight. E. And Katie Hopkins is going to be with him as well, talking about International Women's Day. I must remember today, I'm so glad it came up on the travel earlier on, because I live West London, and the uh, the people who are repairing one of the bridges have closed it. So consequently, if you come off the Hogarth roundabout and you're heading up to Richmond or to Twickenham or heading out onto the M3, forget it, because you get diverted. It was a nightmare last week. It took me so long to get home, because I ended up being diverted right. And as I drove down there, I thought, oh, I've made a big mistake. I should have turned round in the road and gone back where I came from. It would have been a lot easier. Because I sat there in traffic. Don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in it. It's easier. If you're going onto the M3, the advice is for me, you're coming out of town, go out on the M4 and then do a cut-off halfway up it. Because it's, you'll be sitting there forever and a day. I don't know what they're doing on the bridge. Standing there smoking, most of them. We, we, we've got a company in Twickenham doing all the pavements in time for the, uh, the Rugby World Cup. They spend most of their time with fags in their mouth. I've never seen such a bunch of unfit people. Yesterday, or the day before, last, yeah, last week, they, uh, they knocked the, uh, the mains out again. Second time they've done it. Company of idiots. I've never seen anything like it at all. Um, and, uh, and Joey says, how come no TV psychics contacted Harrison Ford, told him not to go flying, and also why... Didn't, you know, they sort of contact other people and get somebody to phone him saying, don't go flying. Oh, you've answered your own question there, I suppose, actually. According to Facebook, says Joey, I've got hundreds of friends. I know. That's why Michelle Keegan, huge international star, wonderful actress. I mean, seriously, you could give her Shakespeare and she could cope with it. Not. Um, Another one here from Christopher Mann, who says, can I get a retweet running the London Marathon for Bernardo's? And, uh, and Liz says Hamilton does his talking behind the wheel. Behind the wheel. <laughs> uh, we've become a joke country, says Jenny. The Met Police extremely worried about jihadi girls. I'm not worried about them. They can stay out there. I'm not remotely bothered about them. So they want to go, let them go there. They'll soon discover it's not the big game they think it is. It's serious. People die. And, uh, you know, not remotely bothered by them. You want to leave the country? We don't want them back here. Definitely don't want them back. Once you're out, you stay out, as far as I'm concerned. 
84850, uk. Also, the worst thing is about the police being woefully undermanned and they're making huge cutbacks. So, you know, in a short space of time, you're going to be seeing less police on the streets, you know. And at the moment, all their time is taken up with filling in things. Of, are you smoking in the car? Right. I mean, I've seen it on the, the American things and I've seen the Australian police. They're very polite in Australia. They really are. Uh, would, would you like to take a breath test? No, I wouldn't. Done in Australian accent. And so they don't, they don't bother with it. Hilarious. People this morning, Daniela Westbrook, I've been beaten up. And, uh, you know, whilst I, uh, I sort of have no time for Daniela Westbrook, it's terrible. And apparently she's told the police of an assault. Got a black eye mystery. She'll be milking that one, selling that story. And um, she went to see a doctor as well. How lucky. She went to see a doctor and there was a photographer waiting outside to take her picture. That was lucky, wasn't it? And apparently she's got a job in a bar, somebody said. I would have thought she could actually do something a little bit better than that, but I suppose she's near the booze, so helps a little bit. Lewis Hamilton has told over he's strong. Very strong. Probably open a can all by yourself, I should imagine. Bring lingerie. The Syria girls have been told. Bring lingerie. Don't want to say any more. Don't want to say any more. And uh, what else do we have in the paper today? Oh, it was... Um, oh, the psychic story again. I love it. What have they said about this one? In the, in the people, how have they described the psychic? They've just said, um, Sally, 43... Sally Cudmore, to see what the future holds. All readings are confidential, but what I can say is... And then she tells you. And then she tells you. She's got a no-confidentiality agreement going with anybody. I wouldn't go to her. Good God in heaven. She says, I've given them bits of advice. They went for three days. No context would show how they feel for each other. God, you're bright, aren't you? Imagine. So, you know, I don't speak to somebody for three days. You go, that's how you can tell how, you, how it is. So, uh, anyway, apparently, uh, Chloe wanted a fairy tale relationship. That kind of sums up your life, Chloe, doesn't it, really? How old are you? You're 12, 13? What are you, dear? You're over 30, aren't you? Way, way, way over 30. But apparently, Mum of Three, Sally, who's a psychic, been on TV, and uh, she's appeared on this morning, said she knew she had a sixth sense. I know, you're really intelligent. She quit being a trainee nurse five years ago and became a psychic after being haunted by dead patients. No, that's so exciting, isn't it, really? Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori. <laughs> no time for that kind of stuff whatsoever. Being a member of the Inner Magic Circle, you can well imagine. Um, here we go. It's uh, Charlie Catchpole talking about the Royal Circus taken to Tusk. And this is Prince William patting elephants, patting elephants, over here patting elephants and looking after elephants and telling the Chinese people I really want to look after this. Uh, so, excuse me, sir, Sky News. Um, just around the corner here, there's performing elephants. Um, yeah. And walks away. Walks away. He is a wuss. You know, you can imagine in a fight, he'd be the one go, don't hit me, don't hit me, don't hit me. So the Royal Circus in town, I'm afraid. It's all a little bit sad. All a little bit very, very sad, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. And uh, another one here says, how very, very dare you knock Janet Pavement Street Porter. No, no. Janet Street Pavement Walker. I think that's what Katie Hopkins calls her. It always, it always makes me laugh, actually. I love stuff like that. It's really, really funny. And uh, here we go. Uh, there's a nurse in a con in the paper today. A woman who's had a facelift to make her feel normal, age 54. They do a programme on the telly, don't they? Which is um, where, where they sort of stand some poor old attention seeker in the middle of a road, and they go, how old do you think this uh, this woman is? And people go, oh, 60, 65, and then they go, she's 37. But she's been smoking all her life, that's why she looks very, very old. And and then they, they give them the makeover, and they give them, you know, new teeth and new hair and everything else. Carol McGiffin, in her column today, 
She's been seen out on the town. Says, whatever happened to Katie Price's vow never to use her children for publicity again? Did it have anything to do with her losing her reality show? At the same time, most hated former husband in chief Peter Andre was commissioned to do a new one. Surely not. She's obviously forgotten what she said because pictures of her kids are all over the place. Cuddling Harvey, Jet in the bath, Junior and Princess in bed with Mum, Kieran in the naughty corner for kissing Mummy's best friend and more. That last one was a joke. I know she's not friends with her anymore, but uh, now she's started exploiting the children and the wedding pictures. But, of course, Katie Price. And then, as everybody said, I think it was somebody else was talking about her on that programme where she really was the dimbo of all dimbos on, was it Family Fortunes, where poor old Katie Price didn't know diddly squat. She really was as thick as the proverbial brick. Name something you drive beginning with T. What did she come up with? Trolley. Name something you drive, beginning with T, trolley. Oh, dimbo, dimbo. Mind you, I wouldn't mind, but the rest of the family seem to be exactly the same way. Terribly sad, isn't it? Sunday Express this morning. New law to stop UK girls becoming jihadi brides. And uh, the researchers warning about Parkinson's linked to statins. I think I'm on statins. I think I do avarostatin. I can't remember why I do avarostatin, but I, but I do, actually. Uh, there's also the stars reliving the agony of the family, terrorised by a poltergeist. Wow. And uh, this is the ghostly story of one of the most infamous cases of evil possession. I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe any of that kind of thing. I mean, I've seen, it's rubbish, isn't it? I've seen people around here who look as though they're evilly possessed, but I avoid them. I don't talk to them. I only talk to the people who look normal, which means I don't talk to anybody at the moment. <laughs> the loved-up pair have flown back from paradise. Who can this be? Oh, it's uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Sophie Hunter. They're in the honeymoon phase of their relationship. That's lovely, isn't it? I quite like that. I felt a bit sorry... Uh, for um, the bomber hero sparking fury in New Zealand as he sells his medals. What's the point of having his medals? He wants the money. Give him the money, for goodness sake. Sadly, just about it this morning. I know it's been an experience for both of us. I feel as I've cleansed my soul, ladies and gentlemen, in front of you. I've laid myself bare in front of you. And believe you me, that's not worth seeing. You can listen to LBC whenever and... I know, I know. I say that, actually, because that gets a bit of sympathy going. And then it turns out that it works in my favour. So you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. You can download the LBC app. It's on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. And it doesn't cost you a penny piece. It's very nice. And there's TuneIn Radio 2. And if you missed any of today's show, there is a podcast which will be up with you very shortly. And that's where we sort of do the programme. You can relive all of it. We take out the adverts and the travel and all the other bits and pieces. And you can revel in it. I'm back this evening for In Conversation. It's a repeat of the programme this morning. And so it's Sir Tony Robinson and Jimmy Somerville. And uh, both well worth listening to. Have a fantastic day. I must remember, West London, avoid queue, avoid queue, avoid queue. At 10 o'clock this morning, it's Beverly Turner next. It's the, they've changed the word, the vivacious Stig Abel. Thanks, Steve. You-